Hi, welcome to HF Atlanta. I'm here with Jason. Hey, what's going on? Um, and we're going to bring to you uh, today a NASL podcast. Uh, last night we did our MLS podcast. Uh, please listen. It's on SoundCloud. Um, it's on SoccerATL.com um, and iTunes. So, Jason, can you tell us about um, this week, uh, the first week of um, the Silverbacks week in, a in ASL? Yeah, so Silverbacks at this point, um, two draws, draws at home. Um, going into the season, I don't think people really knew what to expect uh, out of the Silverbacks. You had a lot of turnover, um, you know, pretty much a brand-new roster, brand-new coach. Uh, a lot of talent on paper, but you know, they hadn't played together. So Atlanta, generally people had the Silverbacks in the bottom of the league. Um, and I think they've been a pleasant surprise. They've they've definitely looked better than a, a seller-dwelling team. Um, I think they just have too much quality individually for that. I think you're also seeing, you know, that the chemistry, you know, is taking a little bit of time to come together, uh, which is, is completely normal. And I think you're seeing the biggest thing to me, and you saw it in the second half on Saturday, missing Hans Dennison for the first game, or most of the first game, and, and he can only go about 30 minutes on the in the second. That changes it when they have them, when they have him in the team, because he provides a little more balance. Um, he's a different type of player, and he's, you know, technically he's one of the best players in the league. He was a best 11 selection a couple of years ago with San Antonio and then had knee problems last year with the Cosmos. If he gets back to that 2013 form, he can really drive the Silverbacks into a good finish this year. Uh, without him, it's going to be a little bit harder of a road for him. Yeah. Um, do you think, uh, what do you think? Um, because, uh, Um, Gary Smith uh, was, was formerly a, uh, a co the Colorado Rapids coach who who took him to the MLS Cup and won it. Um, do you think any of this any of that success is going to carry over to NASL? Yeah, I think you're seeing it right now. Actually, um, you know, if you watched Gary's teams with Colorado, uh, the criticism was typically you know, that they weren't flashy. Uh, but they did win an MLS Cup, so you, you can't. You, know, you can say you want to see an attacking style, but you can't really get too upset when you're holding the trophy at the end. Um, yeah. And I think that's how he's kind of come at building the Silverbacks because you look at the back line, especially, and you look at the way that you know they've played this year. I think there's been a lot of focus on the back. Um, you know, the team's given up uh, two goals this year, a uh, goal a game. One was a penalty in the 93rd minute. And the other was kind of a fluky free kick. And that is with a, a rookie goalkeeper as well. I think, you know, the focus has been let's get the back strong um, and we'll build the attack kind of as we go and as the guys get used to playing with each other. So, you know, I, I think Gary and his experience is a big help. Um, definitely his, his Rolodex was a big help because there's quite a few players that, came in because of him. So that that was huge with a, a team, you know, that's being run by the league, um, and you don't have as many resources as the Minnesotas and the Cosmos and the San Antonios have. 
So that was big. And then just his experience and his kind of you know, methodology, it's it's good for a team at this level and in this situation because he can kind of build around the player's strengths and, and build a team that's going to be hard to beat. And that can go a long way in this type of league. Now, one of uh, the signings that uh, Gary Smith um, had is uh, Simon Mensing, who was voted into the NASL Team of the Week for the first week. Um, can you kind of tell us what kind of player he is? Yeah, Simon is a very experienced center back, captain in the team. Um, you can tell that you know he's taken on the captain role in a big way. He had uh, he was captain of the last club he was with, Hamilton in Scotland. Um, I think he's been captain of probably every club he's been at, to be honest. He just has that personality. And, you know, to have that veteran presence on the back line in front of a rookie goalkeeper, CJ Cochran out of Georgia state, I think that's been a huge help. Um, you know, Simon is 32. Uh, we'll see how, you know, he holds up this season, but by all indications, he's, strong and he's a definitely an intimidating presence on the back line he wins pretty much everything out of the air uh the question is going to be when we get into playing you know teams like minnesota that have some young fast forwards if that's going to be you know a challenge for him mm-hmm. um he also brought in uh paul black i like black a lot um black is a left back who he loves to get up and down the line um you saw more and more of it as the game went on uh, Saturday against Ottawa as he's getting more comfortable with the players around him. He's, he's going forward more. He's got a great left foot. Uh, you, know, you go back in his history, Paul was interesting. He came up with Oldham Athletic, and he was called into, I believe, the England U19s or U21s, um, played a little bit there. I mean, he was a, a very promising young player, and he had some injuries. and uh last couple of years he's bounced around and hasn't gotten a consistent time. So this is gonna be a really good experience for him to come in and play regularly and you know, kinda of rebuild himself. Uh he's got the talent. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him. I mean, I, I don't know if you knew this, but before Oldham's uh before joining Oldham's um system, he was in, he was in Manchester City's that's right. He come up in the academy with them? Uh yeah, in the academy. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, he's on the right side of tw- uh, of his 20s. He's barely 25, you know. Um, you know, most soccer players don't reach their peak until they're what 20. They don't usually they usually peak at what 28, 29. I mean, yeah, I think I think with him you do need to look like he played a lot of games with Oldham uh when he was young which, you know, surprised me when I saw his age and I saw the number of games he had. I was like, wow, okay. Yeah, that's um, uh, hundred and twenty goals. Yeah, exactly. But he's got a couple years, you know, these last couple of years, he hasn't played a whole lot. So if if everything's right with him physically, you know, having those couple of years with, you know, a little bit less tread on the tires could help him in the long run. I mean, he's a guy who – it's, I mean, it's it's early, but he's a guy who could play in MLS um, if that's what he wants to do. Yeah, um, you know, just just judging from uh, the, the uh, 
the first game and, and the Silverbacks second game, it looks like we're playing a very, uh, you know, it isn't, it isn't the most flashiest, like you said. Um, it's a, it's a very uh, English style of, of soccer that's being played here in Atlanta. Yeah, what what I think is going to be interesting to see as the the front, really the front six, kind of get comfortable with each other and we figure out the right combination um, with them. I think it's going to be a lot of you know combination play going forward, and that that's what's going to unlock defenses. Um, you know, the team's going to be you know smart, simple out of the back, pretty direct. Uh, the thing that I've noticed, which has been interesting to watch, is you have uh, two you know, good wide players in John Okafor and Kyle Porter, but they both like to, to pinch in and cut inside and they can both score goals. That creates a lot of space, you know, on the flanks. And that's where you're seeing, and that's what I noticed as the game went on Saturday with uh, Paul Black getting forward and taking that space more and more. Now that changes a, that changes a little bit when you play with Dennison and it it plays a little bit more like a four two three one as opposed to a four four two. Um, the spacing's different, and I think you know with the players they have, and if everybody stays healthy, you've got the ability to mix and match a little bit. You have you know two good target forwards in Matt Horth and Jaime Chavez. You know you have a guy like Shaka Bangura, who in in my mind Shaka has been the the best player in the first two games. He had a goal in the first game, assist in the second. Yeah. Shaka can play up front. Um, he's faster than most players in the league. He can also play wide in that four-two-three-one, and that's what he did, and that's how he created the goal for Kyle Porter on Saturday. I think you have some flex, some tactical flexibility, and I want to see as as the team kind of builds that rhythm and builds that chemistry, how much Smith, you know, adjusts the the tactics based on the opponent and based on what's happening in games. Yeah. Um there was an incident uh on the plane on the way to Atlanta for the um Ottawa Fury. Uh one of their players was strangled um by his headphones. Uh can you tell us anything about that? That was crazy. Um I was on Twitter uh, when I saw a CNN reporter first mention it, and then the the Canadian press uh, jumped on it. You know, it sounded like maybe it maybe it sounds worse than it actually was. I I mean, I'm sure that that would shake you up. Um, somebody grabs your headphones and is trying to choke you on a plane. It would shock you. Um, yeah. I don't think you know it caught. It didn't cause any physical damage. Uh, Oliver played in the game on on Saturday played, uh, I want to say about 60, 65 minutes. Um, yeah, that's just one of those things that it's hard to, hard to deal with, hard to process. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's a pretty freak occurrence and hopefully, you know, it didn't, you know, cause him any, any stress or drama, you know, once it was over, I hope he was able to put it past him and, and move forward. And it, it looked like he did. I mean, I thought he, he, he played solid on Saturday. Yeah. Um, it's, it's always, you know, unfortunate to hear things like this happen to players. Um, but this week we are at the Railhawks. Am I, am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. At Carolina, it's always a tough place to play. Yeah. Um, so can you, can you, can you tell us about the, the Ottawa game? 
Yeah, um, Ottawa was kind of the the flip of the first game. Um, first game, Silverbacks got the lead and held it most of the way. Gave up a penalty late for the draw. This time, Ottawa scored um, in the first half on uh, kind of a fluky goal, a free kick that looked like it it was going to take a deflection or two and ended up going straight in from the free kick um, from a wide position. Uh, second half, the Silverbacks came out and, and played definitely their best half of the season so far. And a lot of pressure, created chances, and ended up finally breaking through on a on a nice team goal uh, with Kyle Porter finishing off a cross from, from Shaka Bangura. So, you know, both games, I think you saw a solid team in the back and a team that was still kind of figuring its way out going forward. And that's definitely going to be put to the test against Carolina. Carolina was, you know, uh, listed among the favorites going into the season. I think most people, um, myself included, think that Minnesota and the Cosmos are, are a slight cut above the rest of the league. But you have Carolina, you have San Antonio um, that are kind of right behind them. So Carolina – in Carolina has always been a tough place for the Silverbacks to play. They did get a win in the second half of the season last year up there. Uh, so we'll see if that, you know, success can continue this week, but it's going to be a tough matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that's, that's two points from two games. And, you know, I mean, how do you think uh, Atlanta fans are, are taking this? Yeah, it was a question. That was one of the questions I had on our our ATL soccer chat on Twitter last night, and because I was curious as to what the the fan base really thought. Because coming into the season, I don't think people really knew what to think how the team was going to do. Um, the preseason was strong, but it wasn't you know against the highest level of competition, so it was kind of a guessing game going in. And I think most people are generally you know pretty pleased. Uh, you know, there there weren't high expectations going into the season, which helps, gives you more time to to get things settled and get things under control. And, you know, you don't wanna you don't wanna drop points at home. You know, you wanna get three points at home um as often as you can and the way these two games went, you know, it could hurt them in the standings moving forward. But you look at the league standings, nobody's really jumping out and running away from anybody. Uh you know, Carolina is on top with four points along with Tampa and the Cosmos. Atlanta's on two. Um, Atlanta's going to need to win a road game or two to make up for the home draws, definitely. You're going to have to steal some points on the road. But, you know, that being said, every I think everybody's in it right now. You know, this is a, a sprint of a spring season, and, you know, we're two games in, and nobody's, you know, nobody's perfect. Nobody's on six points. Nobody's running away from the field. Uh, I think, you know, everybody's in it. Yeah, because um, you know you have a uh, you have three you have three teams tied tied for the the top of the league: uh, Carolina, uh, the Rowdies, and New York Cosmos uh, with four points. Then you have Jacksonville, uh, the Fort Lauderdale uh, Strikers, tied with second with three points. And then you have Atlanta and Indy Eleven um, tied with uh, tied for third place in the league. Um, I mean it's at. at Right now, you really can't tell. I mean, it could be anyone's league right now because you know, uh, you know, losses with anyone at the top 
or like wins, you know, it, 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 it just, you know, it just, it's, it's going to really re- reconfigure the, uh, the, uh, the standings this, uh, this week. I haven't been able to, to study all the teams across the board yet, but the things that are jumping out to me, uh, won their first game at home against Ottawa and they won three, one. I don't think they, they dominated as much as that scoreline might look. Uh, one goal was very late. Ottawa had a number of chances. She missed the penalty. So it was a much more even game than a three, one scoreline would look. What was impressive for Carolina was was going up to Edmonton and getting a point last week because I think Edmonton's the toughest place to play in the league, and especially on days like last Sunday when they played and you had this crazy wind that completely affects the game and gives the team with the wind at their back a, a huge advantage to use it correctly. Yeah. Um, that That's for anybody to adjust to going up there. And Edmonton was kind of a sleeper pick for a lot of people going into the season. Carolina did really well to get that point. That was one of the more impressive results uh, so far in the in the season. You know, Indy and the Cosmos last week drew 1-1. Um, not, a, not a huge shock. I think the Cosmos, you know, I think everybody kind of expects the Cosmos to win everything just because of the talent they can put on the field with with Raul and Senna and, you know, then, you know, some of the, the other guys get lost in the shuffle behind a Raul and a Marco yeah. Senna. Um, you know, Raul did get his first goal. Uh, Indy is, I think Indy's one of those teams that on paper, they, they've got a team that can compete, you know, similar to the Silverbacks in a lot of ways. And I just don't think they've quite put it all together yet. Um, you know, they've got a great crowd at home, and that, that carries them in a lot of ways. I think, you know, people are expecting more out of Indy this year, so we'll see if they can live up to it. Tampa yeah, um, is strong. I think Tampa could be really strong this year uh, with Thomas Ron going to, you know, coaching them now. They signed a lot of players, a lot of the top players from Fort Lauderdale last year. So I think Tampa could be a handful as the season goes on. Um Jacksonville, Fort Lauderdale, Atlanta, Ottawa. I think there's a lot of teams that, you know, it's kind of got that wait and see. Let's see how things come together. Yeah. Um, what, a team I'm really looking forward, you know, to see this year is uh, is the Jacksonville Armada. You know, they're getting a lot of support down there in, in Florida. I mean, you know, I, I believe they sold out their first game. Um, and I think they've broken attendance attendance record on their first game as well. They did. So they set the league record for attendance Florida, there. That was awesome. They did North Florida for the Jacksonville. Um, a question yeah, I have for Jackson, you is, Jacksonville's going to be fun to watch. Jacksonville's going to be fun to watch. Um, they've got a lot of guys that are new to playing in the U.S., and that's kind of the big question mark with them is, you know, some guys make that adjustment to playing in a league like the NASL and the the travel and playing on turf and things that, you know, American players and players who've been around this league are more comfortable with when you have a whole team of guys who aren't used to it, that can, can be tough at times, but you know, Jacksonville is, has, they've definitely got the fans behind them. I want to see how, how they grow as a team over the season. Um, You know, being new is always tough. So let's see if, 
uh, the coaching staff and that, that player base can can come together and and be what the fans are expecting them to be. Yeah, because the uh, the Jacksonville Armada they have a very very uh, Hispanic oriented uh, roster. Yes, uh, with a, with a little bit of uh, European, you know, in it. Um, who do you think is going to be the Silverbacks' rivals uh, with uh, with Jacksonville coming in? Um, because I really don't see them being a rival with uh, with um, the Rowdies or the Strikers. I mean, I, I kind of see that see uh, see them being. I don't know. I, I kind of see the Railhawks and uh, the Jacksonville Armada being more rivals with Atlanta. Yeah, it could be. Um, Atlanta has, I think, traditionally, you know, it's been Carolina really is the big rival. Uh, the games with Tampa have have been pretty pretty spicy the last few few times out, so yeah. I could definitely see that you know continuing to grow and continuing to to add some animosity to it. Uh, Jacksonville, we'll see. Uh, you never know. Like you go in kind of thinking, okay, they're close, so they'll be a rival, and you know the chemistry on the field just isn't quite there for it to turn into a big rivalry. And sometimes you know it can be a, a cross-country team that becomes, like, your big rival. I think right now Atlanta's, you know, probably biggest is Carolina, and Tampa would be second to me. Mm-hmm. But Jacksonville could be that kind of wild card, you know, being new. Um, we'll see the first time they match up. That could be fun to watch. Yeah. Um, now, what's what's your outlook for this game against uh, the Railhawks? Man, it's going to be tough. Um if if they come away with points, that that'll be a a good accomplishment in this game. Um, not many mm-hmm. points, not many teams take points off of Carolina and Carolina. So you know, I'm sure with just based off the first two games, I think it's going to be, you know, looking for a counter, um, keeping the the strength in the back together. I think having a guy like like Shaka Bangura mix in with his speed, I mean, just out-and-out speed, he's one of the fastest guys in the league, and playing off the counter and playing on that field in Carolina, which is one of the best fields in the country, that could be a, a game-breaker for him. Um, you know, I want to see the, the, the experienced players step up, and I think this is where, you know, when you put that roster together and you bring in guys like Mensing, and Black, um, and Kyle Porter, you know, with his MLS experience, and Hans Dennison with his experience in Europe and then, you know, here in NASL. I think that's why you bring those guys in to, to lead in these types of situations. So this is this is going to be a big statement game, I think, for the Silverbacks. And if they pull points off of Carolina, I think it's going to wake a lot of people up around the league. How long do you think it's going to take for this Atlanta team to to finally gel and um, play in unison? It's it's a good question. I think probably the quicker that Hans Dennison can get to being a ninety minute player, the the quicker that that gelling will occur. Um, you could see it on Saturday in the limited time that he was in. He just connects the dots really really well with the the group that they have. And that was kind of the missing piece uh, in the the first game and the first half of the second game. You know, you had 
a bit of a gap there behind the forward and in front of uh, Michael Reed, who's been really impressive in a holding mid-roll, and Dominic Opong, you kind of had this gap. And I think, you know, they were trying to figure out how to fill it. Well, when Dennison's there, that's he naturally fills that role. That's That's the player he is. So yeah. you have him, and it connects those dots, and it connects everybody on the field a little bit better. So the quicker he's able to be a, a consistent player, I think the quicker they're going to to gel and look more dangerous moving forward. Because Atlanta, Atlanta on paper, you know, and uh, from from what I've seen, um, you know, they, they're they're looking very consistent, and and you you like from that consistency, you can already tell that you know they're going to be. A very very dangerous side. Yeah, Dennison's the game changer. Dennison and and Shaka's speed are kind of the game changers for the squad. Um, you've got guys like Horth and Chavez who can finish. You've got you know a Kyle Porter who can also finish. You've got Porter and Okafor who are big and strong and can can play wide and pinch in. Um, you've got a really solid core. I mean the the questions for me are, you know. Getting Dennison back to full fitness will be key. I think, you know, avoiding injuries as best as you can will be extremely important because it is a team without a whole lot of depth. Um, and just staying organized and and relying on, this, on the veteran leadership that you have in the squad. If if they can maintain those things, you know, Atlanta, I think, and I think it's the way that, that Gary Smith is, is looking at it going into the season, he wants them to be a tough team to beat. He wants, you know, he doesn't want to give points away. He wants, you know, people to have to work to pull points off of the Silverbacks. And so far, so good, I think, in that regard. Um, the next step, once you get that established, the next step is then, okay, how can we pull points from the opponents? How can we take three points from them? And Dennison and Bangura and then the finishing of a Chavez and a horse, it's vital to making that happen. Um. One, one player, uh, one, we have we have a very technical and a player who likes to add a lot of player to the game. Uh, um, uh, is it uh, Michael Michael uh, Ravitch? Michael Reed. Oh yeah, the uh, the young guy he hasn't gotten in yet. Yes. Yes. Um, I mean, he he has your uh, you know uh, Europa League ties. Um, you know. How long do you think it'll it'll be till till we see him? Because uh, you know he's he's a very exciting prospect. I mean, yeah, it's going to be interesting because I mean, you look at it, and that was a when that signing came through, I was kind of like, wow, okay, you know, first of all, wow because of his experience, and then second, you start to look and where is he going to fit? And that's the question for me. I think it's you know you're looking at the players ahead of him right now and they're players who I think have more experience and are probably a little more steady as well. I think, you know, it's really limited what I know about Mravich, but I think he's, you know, with his youth and I think with his you know, relative inexperience at this level, um, you want, and going back to what we've talked about with, with Gary wanting to have a team that's solid first, tough to break down first, then you start to add the the pieces going forward, the game changers. You know, maybe the best route for Mravich is to get in, make the 18, um, come off the bench, provide a spark, 
and start to earn more time that way. I think that's going to be the route for him, um, which, you know, is pretty typical, I think, from a from a team, you know, in this manner where it's all about let's be solid first and then, you know, figure out ways to, to be creative going forward. And they're still building the solid piece first. And I think it's good, but, you know, they want it to be even better before they start to take those chances. Yeah. I mean, you know, just just because he's he's a very unknown player that, that many many fans might not know about yet. Um but uh I mean, you know, for a six a, per, a player who's 6 foot 3, he has very 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 good uh dribbling skills. Yeah, that was the the thing that was interesting about him to me was, you know, you, you look at his size and you're like, okay, well, he's a target forward. And then you you see the clips and you're like, no, he's very technical you know in a way it kind of reminds me of a guy like Kenny Cooper who you know Kenny Cooper they in Dallas especially tried forever to make him a traditional number nine big target forward and he doesn't play that way he's just not he plays like a winger you know I'm sure that that's the type of stuff that Moravitz has had to deal with in his career because you see a guy that size and it's like okay great we've got a either a target forward or a center back and he's way too technical and way too uh you know creative to be in those types of roles. So you figure out yeah. how to use them and you know you don't want to you don't want to see a guy like that get pigeonholed. So I I think with the team not having a huge roster, you're going to see, you know, those guys like Moravich get get some time and it'll probably come in a in a reserve role first. But they're going to get their chances as the season goes on because you're going to have injuries. You always do in this league. It's a very physically demanding league with the travel, with the the style of play a lot of teams have. It's it's just going to – it's very physical. So you're going to have some injuries pile up at some point. And that's where, you know, these guys have to take that opportunity and, and step up. Yeah. <clears throat> um, shifting shifting back to uh, – I mean, shifting into MLS, um, Atlanta has some, some pretty – um, big news. I mean, they're they're going to be they're going to be um, uh, they're going to be uh, oh, I'm at a loss of words right now. <laughs> they're going to be uh, presenting uh, Carlos Bocanegra tomorrow to the to the public um, officially. What do you think someone like Bocanegra is going to be able to add to the um, Atlanta MLS team? That's been the the question, hasn't it, since he was announced. Um, You know, it is his first time in a role like this. So, you know, there will be a learning curve, obviously. And, you know, he has time to do that. You know, you have a little bit less than two years now until the team takes the field. Uh, His job will start a lot earlier than that. But he has some time to to learn the role. I'm sure, you know, which is very common with, with guys like Bocanegra who have played, you know, in a wide variety of leagues and clubs and seen how things have operated. I'm sure, you know, as, as his career was starting to wind down, he started to pay more attention to the business side. Um, I'm sure he talked to people at, at some of the clubs he's been at. Uh, you know, you look at his career, he's he's been in MLS, but he's also been at Fulham. He's been at Rangers. Uh, he's been in France. Um, I believe he was in Spain for a minute as well. He has a a pretty well-rounded, you know, 
TV, which will will do him really well building this team. Um, you know, first from just connections, second from just the respect that he has. That was the thing that that stood out to me when the announcement was made. Is you know, I haven't seen anybody have anything negative to say about you know Carlos Bocanegra as a as a person as a professional. So you know, he has this level of respect that he brings to the office, which will be really big in building a franchise. Yeah. Um, you know, something that, that, that kind of, uh, something, a player that, I mean, a person that reminds you of what, what Bocanegra is kind of, kind of doing right now is uh, Claudio Reyna. You know, um, Bocanegra and Claudio Reyna were captain, captain of the U.S. men's side and are both uh, people who, you know, have that presence that, you know, make people want to follow them. You know, they have that leadership um, you know, that, that kind of, it, it draws people's attention. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot of, of guys out there who can say that they were a regular captain for the U S national team. It's a, it's a very you know small fraternity. So, you know, the guys who, who have that on their resume, that's a huge mark of respect. Um, not just in you know the U S I think, you know, a guy like Bocanegra who, has that on his resume as being a U.S. national team captain um, at a World Cup. He also has a you know very distinguished playing career overseas in the club game. All those things just lead to that amount of respect that will help him as he as he builds a franchise from from scratch. I mean, you know, it's we'll see what the next steps are, but I'm sure Carlos has a a lot of connections to get the ball rolling pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you have any do you, Do you have anything else said um, before before we end the podcast? Uh, no. I'm just I'm excited. There's a lot of a lot of stuff going on in in soccer in Atlanta right now. I mean, we didn't even even get into the Atlanta vibe, the women's team that's trying to get started. Uh, there's so much happening right now, and you know, being somebody who born and raised in Atlanta, uh, there's not many of us. It's it's a pretty exciting yeah. time. Um, you know, I going back to watching the the ruckus at Adams Stadium play the Sounders in the A League Finals to you know the ruckus going away and Silverbacks starting and then Silverbacks went away for a minute. You know, this is such a positive, exciting time for Atlanta soccer. With you know, you have the yeah. Silverbacks this year that are are you know fun to watch and competitive. You have the Gold Cup coming. You have the MLS team a couple of years away from launching. It's just there's so much. It's great. Yeah, I mean, I can I can uh, I can empathize with you about the Silverbacks. Not much about the uh, the Rockets because I, I don't think I was I was around by that. <laughs> around, around time. One one so, day I'll have a Atlanta Rockets flashback podcast and <laughs> we'll get into some Rockets stories. All right. Yeah, I look forward to that. Um, but um, thank you, thank you for for coming on the show, Jason. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Looking forward to it. All right. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at, uh, at Nandez ninety four underscore. And what's your Twitter, Jason? Oh yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Longshoe L O N G S H O E. Um, and also definitely check out uh, the nonprofit that I work for, Soccer in the Streets. Um, we're on Twitter at Soccer Streets and. 
we've got some events coming up. There's our fundraisers for our Metro Atlanta programs, uh, the ATL Champions League, uh, which Carlos Bocanegra and Darren Eels are, are going to play in, which will be pretty exciting. Uh, we also have some FIFA tournaments and a trivia night coming up. So check that out at atlchampionsleague.com. Um, also, take, take a minute and please visit socceratl.com. Um, Sean Yancey has some really awesome stuff. Uh, yeah, right, Sean's awesome. I'll actually have a uh, Silverbacks preview um, of the Carolina game up there on Friday. Um, yeah, also check that out. I mean, pretty sure it's really awesome and uh, has a lot of in-depth things that we might have not go, uh, gone over. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. So um, check that out. I do that every Friday, Silverbacks preview. And then um, uh, while we're plugging stuff, I got one more. On Tuesday nights, uh, if you're on Twitter, we do ATL Soccer chat. Um, just use the hashtag ATL Soccer, and uh, it's usually four or five questions at 8 o'clock on Tuesday night. Um, try to cover kind of what we did tonight, uh, Silverbacks, MLS, uh, the women's game, the youth game, sometimes the high school game, uh, just what's, you know, popping in Atlanta soccer. So definitely check it out, Tuesdays at 8. Man, Jason, you really don't want this podcast to end. Like, I, I, mean, I, I, I don't <laughs> I'm think done. i got to watch the U.S. The, game now. The, <laughs> you're not excited for the U.S. game, are you? I can, I, tell, I can clearly tell you just want to stay on and talk to me and not watch the game. Oh, you don't want to get me into that one. Well, uh, maybe we'll touch <laughs> base afterwards. Um, so what's the score? What's the score going to be tonight? Uh, one, one. I'm going to go with Dos Cicero. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. Um, <laughs> I don't have a lot of faith in us right now. All right. Well, we will leave it at that. Thank you for listening. Um, all right. Thank you guys.